Hi, Wendy and Jamie. Thanks so much for coming on the Beyond Beauty podcast today. Thanks for having us. Nice to be here. So everyone, we have Wendy and Jamie, the co-founders of WIOS, which stands for Write Your Own Story. It's a portable beauty and skincare line. So we're excited to hear your story, how you got started, especially promoting Write Your Own Story. How did this idea come to life? Take us back to where it all started. How did you guys meet, become business partners? And I believe a lot of your products are portable sticks. Is that correct? Yeah. So that's all a really them. inventive space. I'm so intrigued by that. So I'll hand it off to you on where this journey began. Well, we have a great meet cute that we like to share. I was working at L'Oreal. I've been in the beauty industry for too long to um, mention the exact number of years, but it was about 15 years ago and human resources came to me and said, we have a great candidate for you to interview and we'd like you to be on the slate. And they told me Jamie's name. Well, I worked for Jamie's mother prior to that. And I said, I'll interview her, but I'm not holding any punches. Like I'm not pulling any punches. It, it, she's going to have to do well in this interview. I'm sure, she had a connection to get in, and I was really kind of tough. So I'll let Jamie tell this part. So she interviewed me, and I am a very confident person. <laughs> like, I think if I do things, that's like I did the best job ever. For okay. example, like, I took a tennis lesson for the first time in five years the other day, and I asked the guy at the end of the tennis lesson, do you think that I could be in the intermediate group? Fully thinking he was going to be like, absolutely, maybe even the advanced group. And he was like, no, maybe you could be in the advanced. And I was like, oh, yeah, beginner group. I was like, oh, that's how confident I am myself. So but it makes, but I, that's what makes you a great entrepreneur is that you can go in with all the confidence and say, I can do this, even if no one says We I balance can. each other well. <laughs> but I left this interview and I was like, I met my mother at Bloomingdale's for lunch. And I was like, I don't think I got the job. I was like, that was a really, really hard interview. I was 24. I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't get the job. Luckily I did. And Wendy and I ended up working together first on Maybelline and then on our favorite jobs ever. We worked on Essie, L'Oreal acquired Essie and we got to bring it to market. And it was our favorite job ever. And while I spent 14 years at L'Oreal, Jamie left me to do other amazing things. And it made us sad that that favorite job ever was in our rear view mirror. And so um, I had had a relationship with the manufacturer and Wendy and I were having drinks one day and we started talking about how great it would be. I sort of wanted to go out on my own. And I said, and Wendy said, it would be so cool if I could do it with you. And I was like, great, let's do it. So <laughs> my side of the story is I am definitely a look before you leap kind of person. I am not, um, Jamie and I are very, we balance each other well, let's say. My story is she, we met up for drinks just as we usually do. And I think I had too many drinks and I was like, okay, I think I'll decide to quit my job. It wasn't that seamless, but it felt that way. And we've been working together now for a year and a half. Yeah. And yeah, that's how. So how did you together. how did you create the brand? The point of differentiation was there always a target market you were going after, or was it really this portable 
accessible, easy on the go product line that you had imagined? It was really about filling a need gap in the market, both from a consumer standpoint, product standpoint, and also from how we went to market. And what we had seen both being in beauty for so long was, especially over the past several years, there have been so many entries in color and so many entries in skincare serious skincare and dermatological skincare specifically, but we hadn't seen the same kind of evolution in personal care. And we thought, what a great opportunity to sort of change the way personal care is delivered, change the delivery system, target the next generation of consumers and how they're living, which post-pandemic is on the road and not in an office five days a week. And so what we like to say is part of where YOS came from is the pre-pandemic generation was the YOLO generation, right? You did things because it was your only chance to do it. You really might never get the chance again, but the post-pandemic is the YOS generation truly at every age writing their, your own story and redefining sort of how you interact with the world. By the way, she's trying to make that a thing. Yeah. Like I love why- it. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was really interesting when I when we connected, uh, a friend of mine who's always given such amazing advice, she would always say like, if you had a bad day, even if someone like flicks you off when you're driving or I don't know, your order is wrong at a restaurant, like little things that just might make you go in like a, this wrong direction. They're not life altering per se, and it's not the end of the world, but things that can really just like irk you. And she would always say, if your life is not unfolding of how you want it to unfold, you are the author. So you need to write the story of which you want to tell. And if that story is someone cutting you off or your coffee order is always wrong or your friends spending more time complaining than celebrating with you, change the narrative. So I love your positioning and then how you're saying write your own story because I really believe that we are all in control of our lives at the end of the day and what makes us happy. And it's a choice to be happy or frustrated. That you share that. Yeah. Thanks for that. sharing that. I love that. I think the other side we looked at, so we looked at the consumer behavior and how consumers are engaged in these categories in beauty, but they don't want constraints. And then we looked at product categories specifically, and we started to think about the need gaps in each category. Mm-hmm. So for example, when you're using shampoo or cleanser or shaving cream, you're, you're wasting a lot of product. You put it in your hands first before you apply it to your face or your hair or your legs. None of them are travel friendly. They're liquid or they're in a can. And the actual application isn't precise. So you're, you're putting it all over the place. And so as we really started to think about these products and the benefits they could bring to each segment, that's where we've really leaned in. The products, of course, have to deliver the benefits that consumers are seeking, but we're not assuming that the formats consumers were traditionally using are the best that there can be. And that's where we've really leaned in and innovated. And that allows consumers to literally write their own story. Mm-hmm. Agree. So where you're both innovating in the packaging as well as the formula, because how, how does this, I was, when I saw the shampoo as a stick, I have never seen a shampoo as a stick. So I'd love to know how that works. Is it similar to a bar yeah. soap? It's Jamie's favorite product. So. My favorite product. From a technical standpoint, it takes a lot of behind the scene work behind the scenes work to get it right. We 
spend a lot of time making sure the formula is perfect, but how it works sort of when you're using it is you, your hair is wet, you go one, two, three, three stripes in your head for those listening, not watching. It fully suds up. Wow. It's sulfate free. So if you've used a sulfate free formula before, many of them don't suds. It's a challenge with yep. sulfate free formulas. This one fully suds and seriously gives you the absolute best wash. Massa massaging your scalp actually while you're using it. I'm obsessed. I switched from a very expensive shampoo to the shampoo and um, I just love it. It it's definitely great. is a new gesture and takes education and people and like you ask all the time, how do I use that? So that's our job. To so how are you educating the market? Because we see a lot of, there's beauty brands that come in and either they come in with a new celebrity angle, right? Of they're a performer, they're an actor, they're an influencer. Then there's, like you were saying, there's this really clinical skincare moment, especially within hair, as well as anti-aging, anti-acne. Those, I think, are some of the biggest trends we're seeing, as well as consistency, color payoff, wearability. And now you have not only a new formula, but you also have a new packaging. And so it is about education. How are you educating your consumers and getting them equally as excited about the product, as well as the mindset of write your own story, as well as this is how you use it and get used to products in a stick. It's not just maybe deodorants and contour sticks and blush anymore. It's there's so much. More. You said that. That's one of our top questions. Are you a deodorant? Hmm. Honestly, it's, it's not easy because you want to introduce a brand, a high quality brand. You want to have the equity behind that. And yet you have to be very specific and disciplined to talk about how do these products work. So showing product in use is critical. And then also having a reassurance of the formula benefits, because if a formula, if the gesture works well, but the formula doesn't deliver, then you're not, we're not delivering the product consumers want. So honestly, we have become a little bit of a content factory working with creators across the board to generate quite a lot of content on a number of different platforms. We, we're trying to be really patient in terms of building that education and messaging. We did experiment with some higher reach talents. I, I don't know if I'd call them celebrities, but creators. And it didn't come off as authentic. Yeah. And really looking to kind of the nano creators on TikTok. We honestly, we answer every email we get. So people approach us on our website and say, I'd be interested in creating for you. We say, okay, tell us a little bit more about who you are. We put them in contact with our partners. and But it also ties to sort of one of our key learnings and mistakes, I think, yeah. that we've made is we underestimated a bit at the beginning sort of how much education it would take and how new this gesture was. And so we talked a little bit about that before we got on the podcast, but how do you, how do you sort of right size your mistakes and realize them quickly? And some of the products don't require much education at all. It, it's clear that a moisturizer, just like a lip balm, you can rub on and use but the shampoo really requires explaining how do you use this product. And so that's something we've also learned that we have to be really implicit with our words and communication. 
when we're speaking to potential consumers. And I think it almost opens this new gateway too of getting people to be excited about it's not just another product on the market. There is innovation behind it. And right now, everyone gets on this podcast and they say it used to be a brand-led market. Now it's very much a consumer-led market. Consumers are demanding anything from what they want something to cost, whether they're driving sales. We're seeing a lot of um, people discounting earlier and earlier than Cyber Monday, Black Friday right now. I think uh, we're seeing people demand for on-the-go lifestyle or more skincare first versus makeup was so heavy in those 2015 to 2019 era. So I think in what we can see almost as these fortunate mistakes are ways of opening a gateway of it's actually a powerful way of marketing your product. And that's why we love talking about fortunate mistakes is because they're not a negative. They're actually a genuine positive. Is there anything else that has come up as founders creating a company, navigating here that you feel has been a fortunate mistake or something that you've never expected that has been more flywheel? <laughs> Where do you want us to begin? We've, we've had, we've definitely had missteps. Finding the right partners and the right advisors is key. Um, we're great listeners and we've listened to a number of different advisors and some of them turned out to be really strong, I don't know, partners that we lean on and others really kind of faded away. And really developing your sense of who's going to give you advice that you can count on and who's just there as like a flash in the pan has been great learning. I mean, we really learned everything. Yeah. Neither of us ever thought we were going to be entrepreneurs, to be really honest. Oh, so when I mean, we came for sure, this, not me. We, we didn't know what it meant to raise money by a note. We didn't know how you set up notes. We didn't know what terms were and we had so much to learn and there are a lot of resources and a lot of noise, but a lot of people will give you misinformation mm -hmm. or misinformation for you. Yes. What kind of company do you set up? Should you set up an LLC, an S corp or a C corp? How should you raise safe note, convertible note, pure equity? Are and there, they, are, have, are there specific, <laughs> that, that is a really interesting topic because people do come up and talk a lot about like how did what advice is right for you the same way we talk about with food right what works for someone else might not work for the same person you could be siblings and you could have totally different i don't know livelihoods lifestyles and so with the famous quote of one man's feast is another man's indigestion we do believe that that carries over into entrepreneurship of that advice might work for this company who has a, a similar setup to you but it's not going to work for you so how do you understand what advice to take think, seriously and run with and what to table for another day and or never to listen to? I think the key is, and we haven't been great at this, is walking before you run. Mm -hmm. So listen, sit back, solicit more than one opinion. It really assess the information. As an entrepreneur and you're raising capital, you want to get going and start growing that business. You have to know where you can lean forward and where you should take a pause and really analyze the next steps. And I think it, we've been really willing to do that, mm -hmm. to take a pause and say, okay, this direction isn't going in the way we want it. What's happening? What are we learning? Why aren't we getting the results we anticipated? And, and that can be really hard 
because you get a piece of advice from someone who you think, wow, this person really gets it. You want to run with it. Mm -hmm. But it's important, I think, to just balance that with other opinions. I would also say if the advice is so complicated that as a educated, smart person, you can't understand it, don't put too much virtue in it. Uh Like there's the old saying, like, don't put too much trust in experts. There is somebody told us when we were raising that if we didn't get go with SVB as our bank, nobody would take us seriously as a startup. And I was devastated when we got rejected from SVB. Flash forward 18 months and we all know what happened. Thank God. We would have been in an absolutely terrible position. Yeah. And so, so that was that was a silver lining. That was like someone yeah, watching exactly. out for you. So it's not your you bank. Know, it's making sure you understand what advice you're getting, why you're getting it. Like what what's the motivation behind that? Because the person mm-hmm. has done all their deals through that, or because that's an opinion, not a fact. And then also pivoting and saying, Okay, maybe that happened for a reason. Let's move mm-hmm. on to the next step. I think being adaptable, ready to pivot, those are such important skills. If you're someone who just kind of needs a path and wants to stick to it, then this life is probably not for you. It's not for you. you have to be a <laughs> so in terms of, of marketing, especially within makeup, skincare, personal space, a lot of people can get really distracted on all the different levers you could pull at any given time. It used to be fairly simple back in the day. You would run digital ads, you would work with some magazines, you would run PR, maybe some events, billboards. Not saying that's super simple. Now there are so many different forms of marketing and it's not only about performance and growth marketing and brand marketing, but all those sub umbrellas. How as a company do you understand and test which marketing levers work for you, when to put more budget into certain activations and when to pull back and also to have almost like those horse blinders of saying other companies might be doing this, but this doesn't mean we have to replicate their strategy. And how do you make those decisions? So we've been pretty focused on be where your consumers are. We, we A-B test. So we A-B test content. First of all, we, we generate a lot of content. So user-generated content, creator-generated content, uh, honestly, our best performing ad. And we look at things like ROAS and conversion and site traffic and add to cart and all the different measures. And we have strategies behind all those different KPIs. Our best performing ad across levers was my best friend from college's daughter. Uh, she willingly created an, a piece of content. And I was like, hey guys, if you have any use for this. So you never know what content will perform, why it will perform. So you need to have quite a lot out there and analyze it. So when did we launch it? How much did we spend? Who did we target? What kind of campaign was it in? And we do that across levers. It's also about having the right partners. Yeah, And sure. really having experts. I think as entrepreneurs, many people and certainly your investors expect you to be the expert in everything. It's not possible. There's not a CEO of a Fortune 100 company who is an expert in everything, right? Who doesn't hire the best people around them 
to do the jobs that need to be done, whether that's operational or marketing or financial. And so for us, learning who those right partners are has been really important. How invested are they, right? Because it's really easy to pay an agency fee and sort of let them just Mm -hmm. spend money. But how invested are they in your success? And how do you make sure they're invested in your success? And that they are testing things, that they're on the forefront of whatever it is, whether it's Web3 or social media or PR or influencer. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you, speaking of vendors, I think I'm a big believer too in in delegating is the key to success in any form of life, both anything from like marketing to operations and more. And you should never be the smartest person in the room. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're doing something wrong because you're never going to learn. You're never going to grow and growing is part of life. With AI coming into the space of all industries, but especially making a big splash in the beauty space, how are you leveraging AI? What are your thoughts on AI and what is your advice to other founders and beauty companies of the future of AI and the positives and negatives we're already seeing from it? I use AI a lot. I use it almost every day. I use ChatGPT. I use Dolly. I use the the plugins in Photoshop. But it can only take you so far, right? Especially in its current form. And so I think that using it as a tool that helps you, whether that's helping you brainstorm, right? When you're a small organization, you don't have 12,000 people coming to you with ideas or or 20 people. Or vet, are, and vetting your like copy concepts or product concepts. So using it for thought starters, copy vetting, things like that has been extraordinarily helpful for us using it to summarize contracts or 50 page documents that we don't want to spend the money on legal to read the entire thing before we have our questions has been extremely helpful. I've found that the visual tools have been less helpful in terms of how far along they are. Mm -hmm. Everyone keeps posting things and saying created by AI. I'm not saying that I'm like super tech savvy, but that for me, it's not something that any layman can do any anybody your grandparent could type into chat gpt write an ad copy line for whatever for me so we use it a lot i think that there is a lot of future opportunity for the development of it but i don't it's certainly not replacing anything today mm-hmm. and i think owner people have to think about ownership also yeah. continuing to be an issue as they develop, right? I would never try and develop my brand name or tagline or something that I want or a brand ownership through these tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are great points. Very, very true. When you're stepping back and looking at the world of entrepreneurship, launching a business, running a business is very different than scaling a business. What have been the highlights of YO so far and what have you learned from launching to scaling and what advice would you share with other founders and entrepreneurs with that growth stage between launching to scaling? I mean, scaling is not easy. I think one of our exciting successes 
Urban Outfitters DM'd us on our Instagram. We were like, oh, this can't be really Urban Outfitters. And we're now in Urban Outfitters across the country. That's where our consumer shops. However, you still need to educate there. So it was like a great way to scale up and expose, but we still need to be, we're we're visiting the stores, we're communicating with the staff, we're, we're, it's still that kind of, don't like a gift horse in the mouth, like it's a gift, but it comes with some strings you need to Mm -hmm. uh, pull as well. Yeah, I think the scale, listen, we are still in our infancy. We launched in sort of the end of February of this year. So we are still in the scaling phase. We are both very sort of focused and competitive people. So it's hard for us to feel the highs. We have to sort of force ourselves to be like, okay. And I think it's good advice for any entrepreneur who is like that. Celebrate this moment because there are so many hard moments that you have to celebrate the small wins, whether that's getting full distribution in Urban Outfitters, which isn't a small win, that's a big win, right? But when you're dealing with so many different things and you're so focused on making your business successful, it's hard to remember to celebrate that. We're not good at that at all. I was just thinking this TikToker, (laughs) this TikToker created a TikTok, a stitch um, on innovative packaging. We have no idea who this person is. She mentioned a number of different categories and brands and she included Wyos. We weren't like, oh my God, this is amazing. We were like, oh, this is cool. Let's get it to the social team and figure out how we, like it, we went right into how we're can like, we Let's have a it. celebration moment first. And yeah, then- so we need to be better about that. It's true. There's so many highs and lows and you're never really at this plateau moment. There's, there's good days, there's bad days and- those celebrations, even if they're a micro celebration, they're going to get you farther. Have there been people in your life that have gifted you with advice, whether it's been a 20 minute coffee or a mentor at a previous place of work or a friend that has really either once gifted you advice that you've always stuck with or is constantly there being your cheerleader, your coach, your your motivation to keep going and to get through those hard times, which everyone's going to run into, especially as an entrepreneur. I think we have, I mean, we both have great support systems, great husbands, families. Jamie's kids are little, my kids are older, and they are like our biggest fans and giving us advice. And my kids are texting us creators and pictures of themselves using the product. In terms of outside advisors, some of the ones that have been so great are the ones that we didn't solicit. We try to be out quite quite frequently, whether we're traveling or in New York. Some of the conversations we've had that we didn't solicit, you just end up in, have been some of the best. I'm thinking of the person in Washington, D.C., the contractor, defense contractor. And I mean, he was great and totally different industry. And, and honestly, just really recognizing the grit it takes. And I think there's only one piece of advice in this. Everyone gives the advice of test your products, make sure your product market fit. The advice that I think about every day that I'm lucky enough that multiple people people in my life have given me is just keep going. Just keep going. 
something's gonna give just keep going and you have to do that obviously in a smart way and you have to learn from sort of where you've been but it really is about getting up after mm -hmm. everything and like have, I like the Winston Churchill quote like success is the ability to link one failure to another without a lack of loss of enthusiasm that's what I think about every day you do and I do and like that's I think that for an entrepreneur that's the best advice you can give that is that you is just very, have very to good. go in now you're going to work hard. This is not something you can take a vacation from. So you better love it. I think we really do. We look forward to seeing each other. If we have a few days where we're apart, there's definite separation anxiety. You have to love it because it's all consuming. Mm -hmm. It's a big part of your life, but it's so beautiful to sit back and say you're building something and what a gift that is to say you took something from scratch and you're you're constantly evolving it and growing it. And most people can't say that. So that's really powerful. Thanks. So one final question that we love to ask on this podcast is where are you sitting in the stands in your life? And where it comes from is that imagine you're at a sports game. It could be any game and you're yelling at the player. Maybe they toss the ball to someone they shouldn't have, or they ran the wrong direction or they ran too slow. And it's really easy to yell at someone on the field because you're not there in the thick of it. And so sometimes people say we're sitting in the stands in our life and we have a list that maybe it's been on our phone for two weeks or two years. Maybe it's something we want to stop doing or start doing. We know that once we commit to it, it's going to make a big difference. And if we can just jump onto the field and start playing rather than sitting as a bystander, that will make the biggest transformation. So is there any place within your lives or in with, within Wyos where you feel that you're sitting in the stands. And I know it's very early days, which I think is the most exciting and probably the biggest time for transformation. But is there any place where you feel that you're sitting in the stands? I was just thinking the place where we're, we talk a lot about is getting active with our target consumer. And we're obviously not Gen Z. We're great spokespeople for the brand and the opportunities and the need, but ambassadorizing our brand, really having ambassadors that can represent the brand, speak for the brand and finding and identifying those people and really evangelizing their messages, I think is something we talk a lot about and we haven't cracked yet. I think the OED is going to add ambassadorizing to well, I say evangelizing a lot, but I just, it takes me like to a different answer. place, but ambassadorizing the brand. I made up that word. I like I it. I love it. Yeah. I agree with that. But I also think, I think we have gotten really, really clear on how to communicate what the point of difference of this brand is. I think we didn't fully recognize the size of what we were introducing or sort of the difference in what we were introducing. We're sort of say Wyos is to traditional personal care, what the Swiffer was to the mop or what Curie goes to coffee. And I feel really excited that we've sort of formalized what that looks like and sounds like in terms of communication, but we haven't launched it yet. And so for me, I feel like we're in the stands yeah. there and I can't wait to get out of the stands and put it in the market. And Kick off. Dive on in. Yes. 
I thought I saw the uh, oil stick you had, and a funny story is that I was traveling with my brother, and in typical sibling fashion, I think somebody missed a train and someone got upset with somebody, and the suitcase knocked down the stairs, and I had an oil in my suitcase. I think it was a vitamin E oil, and it exploded all over my suitcase, and I was supposed to be gone for a few weeks, not planning on doing any laundry. And when I saw the oil stick, I thought if I had an oil stick rather than the oil in a jar, those two weeks would be very, very different. And even if your suitcase isn't falling down the stairs, it's definitely rattling around in an airplane or a train or even going on cobblestone streets. So there's a a TikTok idea for you because I'm sure someone else has had oil explode all over their I wish you had created that. I'm sorry that happened to you. But portable products, that is a big that is a big win in the market too, especially the ease of use, travel, on the go, or even if you're just in between meetings and driving around, or I think of all the New Yorkers that you leave your house early, you go to your office, you might go to the gym, and you might go for drinks after work, and you have one bag with you. You're not in a car like you are in LA, and you need to make it compact, portable, and efficient. So you're on to something sure. great. You're hired. <laughs> Well, you use it as a TikTok video. If only I think when this happened, I don't, there definitely wasn't even Instagram. So this was, that's aging me way back in the day. Well, Jamie and Wendy, where can everyone find Wyos? Where can people shop it? Where can people get in touch with both of you? Where can people find your social media and learn more about the brand and the products? So you can find us on our website, obviously, at we are Wyos, W Y O S. And that's our, also our Instagram handle. We are on Amazon and at Urban Outfitters. We're going to be at all anthropology doors and in some select exporting good doors in the coming quarter. And you can get in touch with us by DMing us or emailing us at we're Jamie or Wendy at wearewios.com. Awesome. And Jamie and Wendy. Awesome. Well, Jamie and Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your founder story, sharing more about Wyos and building a, an incredible brand. And so thank you for your time. And we're excited to see what is coming up with all the marketing and UGC content, as well as product innovation and just getting the message out to all your consumers is a huge target market. So congrats on all these success so far and what's to come. Thanks thank so much.